Ladies, have you ever wondered what makes you most attractive to the man in your life? Here's author and researcher Shanti Feldhahn. Other than how she looks, the biggest sort of emotional factor is feeling that this woman sincerely admires him because it's hitting on all those insecurities and vulnerabilities and him of, am I any good at what I do? I I don't know if I am. And this feeling that this person who knows me really well Mm -hmm. is in my corner cheering me on that she thinks I can do it, that is powerful. And he is longing for that. That seems simple enough, doesn't it? Today, we're going to take a look at some dating advice for singles and those who love them on this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. You know, when you ask for dating advice or you give dating advice, you're opening a big can of worms. And in my experience, well, everybody loves to give dating advice. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Give you some advice on dating. No, absolutely not. (laughs) See, everyone loves to give dating advice. And quite frankly, it's not always how should I say, good advice? Sometimes it's not thought through advice. Well, today we're going to explore dating and singleness. And in a way, as we go through this material, you're going to probably think that this is quite random. And that's really not my intention. My intention is to help you understand that life, well, it isn't a one-size-fits-all, especially dating. We're going to hear from two young ladies. They're going to discuss dating and how they snagged their husbands. And actually, what's quite interesting is that they're from the opposite sides of the country, but there's a theme running through their stories. I want you to listen for that. And after the break, we're going to hear from Deepak Raju and Shanti Feldhahn. And they've spent many years listening to singles, and they have a few words of wisdom. So if you're single... Stay tuned. And if you're not single, I just ask you to keep listening because a single friend of yours, they may need this advice. Hannah Seymour is chock full of advice for college-age women. She's mentored thousands of women over the years, authored a book called The College Girl's Survival Guide. And while Hannah subscribes to the idea that men need to be the pursuer and leader in a relationship, she kind of nuances it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Here's Hannah. My husband and I dated. He sent flowers to my office to see if I wanted to go to dinner. I mean, one of these, like, movie-type plot lines. I wasn't interested. I've been waiting for that. I know. So many women have, and I was like, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, So I went out on a few dates with my now husband. (laughs) Um, But I— Ended it, and two years later, we reconnected, and I gave a nudge. And that was <laughs> – I did. I, I said, hey, let's let's um, catch up. And we ended up talking for about three and a half hours. And at the end of it, I said, look, I think that if a guy's interested, he will pursue. You did that. I ended it. I don't know where you are, but I would love to spend more time with you and just get to know you better mm-hmm. if you're at all open to that. That 
is a nudge. That is a strong mm-hmm. nudge. But I, I didn't ask him out to dinner. I did ask him to hang out and grab a cup of coffee and catch up. So I, I initiated. Right. But I wasn't saying, hey, let's go out to dinner on Friday night at 8 p.m. I'll pick you up. Right. You didn't you know, label it. It wasn't the wasn't date. A date. It was It was coffee. A nudge. It was your sister-in-law who made the match. She was the first connection, but lots of other <laughs> <laughs> matches. And uh, Do you believe in matchmaking? I do. I have a lot of friends who are married today because a good friend in their life thought of both of them and said, I think y'all need to meet or give this a go. Mm-hmm. I think if you have a wise and discerning friend, they can be a really helpful person in that treacherous dating process. There's also a lot of people out there that want to matchmake and they have no business in right, matchmaking. That's true. Because they, you know, whether or not they just aren't being thoughtful about it or or whatever. I think I think there's a specific kind of friend. We all know. We, you can probably identify that's a friend I would trust. And then there's a whole slew of people that I would not, you know, <laughs> give yes. the power of putting me at a dinner table across from the opposite sex. <laughs> That's Hannah Seymour with some great advice. And did you catch that? She's talking about the setup. You know, like connecting Katie with John. It's really okay. Some people think that matchmaking, as some might call it instead of the setup, is one of those old-fashioned things. When actually, I believe that the setup or matchmaking is something that the church needs to be involved in these days. And if you talk to some other singles, I think they would agree with that. Well, Hannah Seymour lives with her husband and little boy in Nashville, Tennessee. And now we are going to take a trip to Portland, Oregon, where Jacqueline Anderson is a high school teacher. And she has spent a lot of time listening to girls about their dating woes. And you would think that that would be totally different from one end of the country to the other end of the country. And in some ways it is, and in other ways it's not. In fact, Jacqueline wrote a book with her dad called The Ten Myths of Teen Dating. And here's Jacqueline talking about how she met her husband and also the dating woes in Portland. The difference was between my husband and every other man I've ever met, he asked me out immediately. He said, I don't want to text. I don't want to. I would like to take you out face to face, buy you dinner and have a in you know an in-depth conversation with you. So our dinner was at 7 p.m. and we stayed out till midnight. Wow. And we just kept talking and talking and talking and talking. So I think that the, it's hard because technology can be kind of a social buffer, mm-hmm. but then that prevents that real intimate growth, relational growth from happening. Mm-hmm. So I think for women, just if he's not trying to hang out with you in person, cut him loose. Call me old-fashioned, but I like a nice, straightforward, direct man. And I don't, I don't want, I don't like games. And I've, we've all met guys that play those games like, oh well, I might be free on Thursday. No, 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 <laughs> that's unacceptable to me. And I think women kind of settle for that. Yeah. In the absence of something else, but they say all the time, like, what if you're kissing a frog and the prince walks by? Do you <laughs> do you want to get true. caught kissing the frog, hoping that he turns into a prince? So I think part of getting past it is finding the right person and finding someone that's really compatible with you and shares your same value set. Obviously, 
being Christian and having living a life based on biblical principles, but the nitty gritty too of how many children you want to have, mm-hmm. do you want to adopt versus you know having your own? What's your timeline for getting married? Do you want a big wedding, a small wedding? How important is living close to family? Things like that. I think if you can get those things compatible, you're in a better a better spot. So what is your advice to your friends? My advice to them is trust that God has a plan for your life and be available. Mm. And I think that sometimes God has a plan for your life, but there's things that you have to do to get that plan kind of going or to move to the next step. And um, are you hanging out with the right kinds of people that are going to introduce you to the kind of person that you want to be with? That's a big one. Because if you're kind of going around with a crew that you maybe wouldn't marry someone in that crew, mm-hmm. how can you change who you're with to find someone, you know, because like attracts like. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I met my husband's friend of a friend. Oh, Yeah, okay. so, I mean, obviously that's the ideal. But I think just trust that God has a plan for your life and then just be ready mm-hmm. and be there and be social and hang out, I think, with the right kinds of people. I like what Jacqueline has to say about like attracts like. And so the people that you hang out with are probably going to be the people that you date and the people that, well, maybe you marry. So just be mindful of that. But above all, as Jacqueline said, trust God. Isn't it quite interesting how both of these ladies were set up by friends and family members? Just something for you married people to think about. Hey, it's time for me to stretch my legs a little, grab a cup of coffee. But when we come back, we're going to continue with advice from Deepak, Raju, and also Shanti Felton. Stay tuned. I'll be back in two minutes. If you're single and dating, and at least one of you has kids, you need to do your homework. For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. Single parents ask me all the time if they should get married and form a blended family. (laughs) Now, honestly, I don't have any idea what's best for you and the kids. But what I do know is that most people get married without having studied the process of becoming a stepfamily. Just because you've fallen in love with a person doesn't mean you'll know how to be a family. Those are two entirely different things. A wedding that includes children is a package deal, all right? And the better you understand the package, the stronger your family will be. So, dating couples, I know this doesn't sound very romantic, but it's time to go back to school. Stepfamily School. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. Couples who say they have marriage problems need to recognize it's not a marriage problem. It's a God problem. We make it all about us. You know where that's headed. And it's killing our marriages. What would happen if marriages got it together and divorce was rare? Because there's something bigger here. Who are we here for? There is something that your marriage represents that is far greater. We're here for a purpose. When you look at what the Bible says about marriage. Marriage is about more than just you and me. Very few couples say, Lord, what do you want? Instead, they think, this is what I want, and I'm not getting it. Therefore, this thing is broken. Family Life's Weekend to Remember. 
our weekend to remember begins with the purpose of marriage as God intended it, because ultimately your marriage is not about you. It's about God. To find out more about a getaway near you, visit weekendtoremember.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Today we're talking about singleness and dating, and I think it's really important to clarify here that what you're hearing today isn't a one-size-fits-all because life doesn't fit into a human-invented formula like we think it does. And that's why we always need to go back to the Bible as our sole authority. However, it is hard to find advice on dating in the Bible— but the Bible is our sole authority. Deepak Raju spends a lot of his time counseling single men and women at the church where he pastors in Washington, D.C. In fact, the majority of people in this church are single. And Deepak has some advice for men and women who find themselves lonely and dateless on a Friday night. Here's Deepak Raju. I don't want you to bear your burdens alone. Because uh, the weariness of years of singleness is just genuinely hard. And this is where we just want to be real about it. Mm-hmm. Like a Friday night when you're by yourself yet again is a lonely existence. Or going to another wedding where you're by yourself and you're not paired up with anyone. Or growing grocery shopping to just shop for yourself when all your friends are shopping mm-hmm. for their husband and children. You, you, you feel that weariness. You feel that loneliness. You feel the pain. Well, that, that's where um, you're going to fight first and foremost to trust that God's promises are actually real and true. You're not, you're not going to hold on to just the fears and the desires and the concerns that actually can dominate your life mm-hmm. and actually stand in the forefront of your life. It is horribly painful, and you shouldn't bear that alone which is why you want to be in a church that helps you walk through that. But also, you need a church that helps you to hold on to those promises. Mm -hmm. Because some days, those promises feel like water dribbling through your hands. Like, they feel like you can't hold on to them. Mm -hmm. You need somebody to say, it's hard, but I'm here for you, and God still loves you. It's hard, but we're going to keep fighting through this together. It's hard, And it's painful what you're sorting through today. And yet I'm going to just wrap my arm around you and cry with you. And that's a hard thing because depending on the age of your young friend who's sharing these things with you and saying, I don't want to compromise, that's a hard thing to just give that all to God because he might never bring those wants and desires around. And it's hard to face that. It is hard to face that because there's no guarantee that you'll get married. No. But that that shows the futility of making marriage your idol. Mm-hmm. Because if you put all your hopes in marriage, you'll live a disappointed life. And yet marriage is a good desire. So we're not denying that at all. It's a good thing to aspire to. And singles are told all the time to desire marriage. Right. How do you live the rich single life? Well, it starts with first um, centering your life on Christ. Mm. 
mean, it, Jesus is the one who promises to us to be uh, the living water that gives us the full life. Jesus is the one who can help us uh, in our times of sorrow and grief. And Jesus is the one who can bring us unabounding joy that we never expected. And yet, what often we find is that we get caught up in all the things of this world, the treasures of this world. Right. And though we profess to be Christians, and though we, we go to church, and though we even read our Bibles, Jesus really is secondary to all those things. So, we always make first things first and second things second. We make Christ first. We make him our greatest treasure and desire. And I'm not saying that as a Sunday school answer. <laughs> Because many times that is the Sunday school answer. Yeah. That's the perfect Sunday school answer that everybody hears. Oh, yeah. And people will say to me, like, well, you're, you're a pastor. You're paid to say that. <laughs> well, no, I say that because I really believe that. I really believe that's true because I've experienced that. And I've seen hundreds of people whose lives have been transformed when they've centered their life on the gospel. Which is why I, I want daily reminders of what it means to center my life on yeah. Christ. One of the things that our pastoral staff has tried to do is in our teaching is to not just generically talk about good biblical truth, but to constantly bring up the gospel, to regularly bring it to the forefront That's of our good. conversations. That's a good thought. And it's pulling our eyes off ourselves yeah. and onto the cross. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then when Christ is centered of my life, then everything else has its proper place. Because Christ puts everything else in its proper proportion in relation to him. So then marriage becomes a valuable thing, and children become a valuable thing, and church becomes a valuable thing. But first and foremost, they're valuable because they are in relation to Christ, who has his proper seat on the throne of my life. Mm -hmm. And and therefore, like, uh, my good desire for marriage, I will keep longing for because Scripture tells me it's good to desire a godly husband and wife. But I'm not going to actually make that ultimate, because only Christ deserves that spot. Deepak Raju with dating advice, although it feels a little bit more like spiritual advice, doesn't it? You know, he's reminding us to balance everything with the gospel. And in other words, balance everything with Jesus, who should be our living hope. And that's hard to do. I, believe me, I, I get that. At times, it's really hard to do. We live in a world that doesn't believe that truth, a world that wants to feed us lies. And yet, we need to go back to the truth that Jesus is our living hope. You know, Shanti Felton is a great researcher, and she is a great researcher of people. She loves to ask questions, and, well, she has this gift of looking at the entire picture. And when I talked to Shanti about some of her advice for dating and for singleness, she says that we should not settle for anything. I will say this to the singles who are longing to be married. It is something that is hard to explain. However, there is so much of a temptation, at least when I was single, there was so much of a temptation to try to get into a marriage, even if it was mm -hmm. kind of any marriage, right? Just to sort of feel loved because right. that's the, that's at least for women, mm -hmm. that's more of the insecurity that's being hit on is like, am I lovable and I'm married? So therefore it makes me feel more loved. Right. 
And that is the biggest lie (laughs) because there is nothing worse than being in a marriage that isn't the right marriage and not feeling Mm -hmm. loved and feeling this excruciating sense of disconnection in the place that you're supposed to be the most connected. Mm -hmm. It is far easier, I think, to stay single Mm -hmm. and to be single. Not that that's any excuse to leave a marriage, but just as a sort of on the front end to know it is far better to wait for the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's some good sobering advice. Shanti, we've been talking about single women. What about the men out there? You know, it's interesting. As I've been doing this social research over the years with both men and women, we're at more than 20,000 men and women that we've interviewed and surveyed over the years. And it, one of the biggest misunderstandings, I guess, one of the biggest things that isn't actually accurate is that a lot of single women think single men just don't care as much about marriage. Mm -hmm. And that just isn't true. Um, And that truly, there is just as much of a longing for connection and a longing to find that that person that can know everything about you and care about you anyway (laughs) in the men as there was for the women. That's interesting because that's obviously a lie that's being told. It's a lie that's being told that they're apathetic and they just want to sit and play their video games. Totally. The the video games are often, yeah, they do want to sit and play their video games, but it's because they're lonely, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they feel like a failure. It's because that they feel like they're not good enough for anybody. And so it's better to not risk it. And and it's, it's really important for women, especially to understand just how much that better to not risk it feeling is in a man's heart and mm-hmm. that men look big and strong and confident in themselves. Right. And, you know, we think he's a little too confident, right? <laughs> you know, he needs to be taken down. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's the case for a small percentage of men, but the vast majority, it's just a mask. Mm. And and there's so much self-doubt. There's, there's so much vulnerability. And the single men that I spoke with and that I surveyed, said that that's actually one of the main reasons why the most attractive characteristic in a single woman, other than how she looks, because there's no way around the fact that sort of being physically attracted to somebody is a big deal for guys from, you know, from mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, but other than how she looks, the, the biggest sort of emotional factor is feeling that this woman sincerely admires him. Wow. That's the most attractive quality because it's hitting on all those insecurities and vulnerabilities and him of, am I any good at what I do? I, I really want to be up to these challenges, but I don't know if I am. And this feeling that this person who knows me really well mm-hmm. is in my corner cheering me on, that she thinks I can do it, that is powerful. And he is longing for that longing to have that relationship where he can feel that way and have somebody who knows all of his faults and knows that he makes mistakes and yet believes in him anyway, that is just as powerful of a feeling to a single man as the feeling is to a single woman of somebody who sees Mm. all of her stuff and loves her anyway. So what's the disconnect? Because I am seeing the fact that we've got single women who want to be married. Yeah. We have single men who want to be married. What 
what's happening? I know it's, it's just like, okay, so they want, they both want, and something's wrong. Well, something's broken. There's first of all, or it seems like something's broken. Well, no, there, there are some dis- common disconnects. One of them is about faith, right? Mm. You know, that if you have somebody who hasn't met, who's a single woman who, for whom her faith is really important is she hasn't met the guy for whom his faith is really important. So she's right to wait. The guy, if it's his situation, he's right to wait. And there are many different reasons why they're not getting together. Mm-hmm. But one of them, I'm just going to say something that's going to sound really, um, what's the right word? This might be slightly controversial, but I'll just be candid because we saw it in the research constantly. And that is that so many men today have this feeling already of being kind of beaten down. Mm-hmm. Like this is a hard culture for men. We don't yeah. realize it, but it really is. Like there's the, you know, every TV show shows the guy mm-hmm. being the buffoon, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just the way it works. Um, and the women, they're not admiring them, especially in TV. that's the problem yeah. is, is that unfortunately we don't realize that we're coming on in a way that is like, well, if you're not going to get your act together, I'm going to get my act together and I'm going to, you know, run over you and, you know, you better do what I say. And men instinctively have two responses to that. They get angry or they withdraw. And neither of those is healthy for a relationship. And just like, I mean, it's a sinful tendency of us as women. Like, well, if he's not going to do something, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take control and I'm going to make things happen. That's our sinful tendency as women, right? And his sinful tendency in the face of that is to back off. Mm. And neither of those are the are the godly responses where we might have these tendencies, but and this is these are sort of God-given sort of there's flip sides to these where there's a good side to that and there's a bad side to that. And we need to have the redeemed version mm-hmm. of that. Some really good words from Shanti Felton. Again, she gets both sides because she is such a researcher. She gets the men's side and also the women's side. And, you know, we live in a broken, broken world. And as she said, women, maybe we need to be a little bit softer and more approachable. Also, affirming to the guys. And men, I get, you've probably already, you've already tried really hard with women and we can be difficult. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, let's just lay it out there. I'm very sorry. But don't give up. Be courageous and keep asking us out. You know, I think both sides need to give grace, lots of grace. It's hard to be single and it's hard to live in a dating world. There can be some real deep pain that goes along with singleness and also loneliness. And coming up in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk with Ron Deal about how to cope with loneliness in this season of romance. So I want you to stay tuned for that. Guys, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And if you're in a relationship, well, your girl expects this day to be special. So next week, we're going to talk about how to appreciate the people in your life and not just take them for granted. So I hope you can join us for that. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, and our co-founder, Dennis Rainey, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Bruce Goff and Marcus Holt. Justin Adams is our master 
Mastering Engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week. Thank you.